Hey, everybody. It's another Big Daddy and Friends. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm happy to have our next guest because uh, he is a very dear friend and has been very supportive in, in, in a lot of the things that I've been doing. And, uh, and I support him. And, you know, it's kind of funny. When we first met, you know, um, everyone's uh, his agent and also uh, his shoe rep were both like, hey, you got to meet so-and-so. You got to meet so-and-so. <laughs> He's in your backyard. He's uh, He married a Long Island girl. So it's a natural fit. All right, so I go to meet him. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in. I'm like, man, look at the size of his arms. <laughs> he ain't no defensive back. I'm like, okay, well, I can't wait to hear this story. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's probably one of the greatest introductions I ever had. And uh, with no further ado, I want to welcome Eric Coleman to Big Daddy and Friends. What's up, Eric? Hey, hey, what's up, Rich, man? You know, first of all, congratulations on your show. You know, it's uh, it's great to be able to come chat with you, man. It's been a long time because of all the craziness that's going on in the world right now. We got to connect through the internet right now. Uh, but, but yeah, that was, uh, and it was funny, you know, when you, when you tell that story about, you know, I was with Doug Hendrickson, was my agent, Mike Newsom was my Nike guy. And, um, <laughs> And they always say, man, I know you're living on Long Island. You got to meet Big Daddy. Got to meet Big Daddy. I'm like, man, who's who's this Big Daddy guy? And uh, you know, I met someone else. They said, man, you guys got to meet up. So we linked up that day, and uh, and we've been tight since, man. It's, it's been a pleasure to know you, to get to know you, uh, to work with you, do a lot of charitable stuff together. So uh, it's been a great relationship. Be styled together. I mean, you know, we had that, oh, yeah. that sax thing going on there for a minute, and that was great. Uh, we got to formulate that whole new plan, which we'll have that conversation off the air. But uh, anyway, you know, it, it, it's funny how, um, you know, relationships start and how they last or how you work at them. They last. And, and I always tell people that, you know, you start at A and then you go to B, then you go to C and then it, 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 it works its way to longevity. You know, I mean, I'll say this. One of the best meals I've ever had has been at your mother-in-law's house. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nona's food. So, uh, oh, yeah. Let's, let's get this out of the way first. Please send them all, your mother-in-law, Sabrina, and all the kids, my best and hello. And uh, I So, uh, it's unfortunate we're dealing with these times right now because it's this is how we communicate, you know. A year ago, mm -hmm. you would have said Zoom. I would have been like, what? You know, Gazoo? The Jeff? <laughs> now this is like the new norm. So it's, uh, it is what it is, and we're all dealing with it. So um, anyway, I think what a lot of the viewers and listeners that watch and listen to uh, this show, they want to know, who is Eric Coleman? Tell me a little bit about, or tell all of us, I, I kind of know, but what – what led you to football, the love of the game, and, and and give a little bit of the progression because you know we all know you you know you go to grade school, you go to high school, you go to college, you go to, go to pros. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that whole journey. Well, um, let me see. I, I was raised so I, so I was raised in Spokane, Washington. Um, you know we had we had some great athletes come out of there. You know John Stockton and Mark Rippin and, and yeah. things like that. But you know my my growing up was a I guess was a different path. 
you know, you know, had a tough time growing up. You know, I always had a great childhood, right? You know, I grew up with a lot of family, my brothers, my sisters, and everything. But, you know, as you get older, you start to realize that there's some issues going on in the house. And, um, and, and one of those issues was, was, was drug addiction. You know, that, that played a part in, in my upbringing. You know, my, my parents struggled, you know, with that and uh, led to them getting divorced. We, we went through a lot of tough times growing up. Uh, but, you know, I always had sports. And I used to go to the East Central Community Center. I started off at the Martin Luther King uh, Martin Luther King Center, going after school. You know that's where I learned how to play football, baseball, uh, played basketball for the YMCA through them, and uh, then went to the East Central Community Center. And that's just what my friends and I did. You know we played sports. So um, I grew up playing football, basketball, baseball, and it was just something that we did. You know it was just a part of life. You know after school do your homework, go to, go to sports. And, you know, eventually, you know, as you grow up, um, you know, I got into, I got, I played flag football growing up, right? I get into middle school and that's when you start playing tackle football in my town. And I was in seventh grade. I think I was 102 pounds, you know, really small. And, you know, they were like, you got to play tackle football. And you know, I put on my pads, I, you know, I was, I was one of the smallest guys out there, you know, and so uh, contact wasn't really my favorite thing. I didn't like to tackle. If they I just only knew now. Say what? If they only knew now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, you know, I was one of the smaller guys and I just, I played quarterback and cornerback and, you know, I just, I, I played whatever they put me at. And then, you know, I started to grow up uh, as a freshman. I played football. I was 135 pounds. They wouldn't let me play running back. That was my main position. And so they made me go play cornerback. So I played cornerback the best I could. And as I grew up, uh, you know, playing football, basketball and baseball, I was really good at basketball. That was like my favorite sport. You know, I was explosive. I had fun playing it, but I'm only, you know, 5'10", 5'11". So, I'm not saying that, that that's an excuse. There's been plenty of guys who made it pro for my height, but I wasn't that good. You know, I my skills weren't that good where that could, uh, you know, make up for that. Uh, but, you know, and then going through high school, I started to shine a little bit in football. I uh, got a chance to go to the Washington, Washington State University football camp, went up there, played really well, broke my ribs up there, uh, got MVP of the camp, and then later on they offered me a scholarship. And, you know, I went on to play there and you know it was funny because during those times where I was getting recruited by different colleges my mom was in prison so I would have to go by myself you know to the all these visits and try to figure out where where should I go in my future and before I got started getting scholarship offers I was like dead set on being a marine and then going into the FBI I was like I want to go into law enforcement that was like my my thing you know I think those guys are the real superheroes and I still do um but I went to Washington State and as I was at Washington State, some of the guys that I played with started going to the NFL. You know, Lamont Thompson was the first guy that I knew. Um, he was a couple years older than me. He was drafted in the second round to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, I looked at it and I said, you know, if Lamont could go to the NFL, now I know he's a lot better than me. You know, Lamont was one of the all-time Pac-12 greats. You know, he's the all-time leader in the interceptions in the Pac-12. Um, he's a great, but, you know, I'm not that far behind him. You know, so I can maybe do this. And then the next year, my buddy uh, Marcus Trufant got drafted number 11 overall. And, you know, I looked at my roommate Hamza Abdullah and we were like, man, you know, if we want to go pro, we got to start working hard. We got to start, you know, not hanging out as much. We got to start staying after practice, trying to get better. And we really focused on bettering ourselves as players. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to get drafted in the fifth round to the Jets in a, in a great situation. And, um you know, that, that's where my career kicked off, and it was a beautiful thing. 
So you answered the question. It's funny. I was going to ask you a question was, if you wouldn't have done football, what would have been your next career path? Yeah. You know, like I always, like I always just, for some reason, just loved, you know, like the Marines and, you know, being a police officer and, and just doing the right thing. I don't know what it is about it. You know, I just have a, a ton of respect for law enforcement, for, for people who serve our country. And, you know, it was just something that I knew that I had to get out of my town. I knew I had to get out of the situation that I was in. And I knew that, you know, going into, you know, the arms, you know, the, going into the, the Marines or something like that, I'd be able to travel the world. I'd be able to experience some things in life. And, uh, and that was really my goal. And even when I went into Washington State, I was a criminal justice major at the beginning. Uh, you know, I played as a true freshman, so the workload kind of got too heavy and I had to switch my major. But, you know, that was something that I, I was really interested in. So now you uh, you leave football, you're done playing football, and now you have this TV radio career. What made you go with that angle? <laughs> that, that's funny. You know, when I was playing, um, you know, I started dating my wife. And my wife, you know, her family owns restaurants. She was running one of the restaurants. And we were at dinner after one of my games. And she's like, um, you know, this is great, but what are you doing after football? And I looked at her like, what do you mean? Like, I'm making good money. You know, I'm this. Like, I don't, I'm not going to work after I'm done playing football. And, you know, I said that. We kind of like not argued, but, you know, we went back and forth. And it made me think, like, what am I going to do after I'm done playing football? And when I got – I went down to Atlanta and I signed down there. Um, she told, gave me the idea. You know, Sabrina told me, you should ask one of the reporters if you can go do an internship at their, at their news network. So I started going to the uh, NBC affiliate down there, WXIA, uh, on my off days, on Tuesdays. Tuesday nights, I would go down there, I put on a suit, and they would put me at the desk. They would teach me how to sit in front of a camera, uh, help me read a teleprompter, write stories. And I was doing all these things on my, my off days. Uh, I eventually got my own show where I would interview my teammates in the locker room. It was, a, it was a lighthearted show. And after I was done playing football, my wife was like, Eric, you should go into broadcasting. And I fought her about it as well because I was kind of bitter at football. You know, not a lot of people know this, but when, when you stop playing football, for 95% of us, you get fired, right? And so my last job was in Detroit. I got released, and I was just bitter towards the game of football. I didn't want anything to do with it. And, and one day the Jets called me, and they said, hey, Eric, you know, you want to come? to SNY and come do this show, uh, this, this Jets pregame show. I said, yeah, you know, I'll give it a try. And I went there and I came home and my wife saw the look in my eyes. She goes, you liked it, didn't you? And so I, I you know, I couldn't, couldn't deny that I had, you know, really loved talking about the game of football. And, uh, and that was really the start, you know, it kind of ignited a fire in me to continue to pursue it. And, you know, and thankfully I'm still in it and, and being able to talk about the sport that I love. You know, it's I understand that feeling 100 percent. You know, I went through that in regards to, you know, here I am uh, helping build a network, which was Fox Business Network, where I started. Then all of a sudden, hey, you get the mic in your hand, you know, and I'm like, OK, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm Big Daddy. So what are you doing at the Super Bowl? You know, and it and it, it's kind of. And at first, I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is all right. But then all of a sudden, like a light went off, and I'm like, wow, I enjoy this. And I've been doing it now since 2008, and it's been a lot of fun. And now here I am doing podcasts, which I never thought I would do. Uh, but I, I'm 100% into it. And uh, 
I practice it. I, I'm learning it more, and I'm even uh, trying to uh, see a speech coach once a week because mm-hmm. I want to be able to, you know, I got I to gotta get rid of, you know, the Long Island yo, and yo, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I'm accustomed to. So mm-hmm. not that I'm going to be, uh, you know, putting my pinky up when I drink tea or coffee or anything like that, but I, I'd rather uh, – speak a little bit more intelligently and uh, and have fun at the same time because that's mm-hmm. what the show is about. It's, you know, it's us sitting down, Starbucks or, or in the locker room and yucking it up and, and you know, letting people know what we got going on. So um, we always have one funny question. So um, tell us uh, something funny that happened, the funniest moment in your playing career. Oh, man, I had the funniest moment in my career. Um, man, there, there were a lot of them. You know, there was <laughs> – I'm trying to think of one that I could talk to you about. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I was always going to say, you know, you, we don't have to tell – it's not – this is not a tell-all, and it has to be G-rated, so uh, – Yeah. Um, oh, man. What was something funny that happened in my career? You know, it, we were all we were constantly playing pranks on one another. Um, so let me think of something that was. Well, okay, I'll I'll give you one. So there was this. This was like it was a series of events. So when I was a rookie, you know, I didn't. I knew that we had to dress up for for games, right? And so. Um, you know, I knew that we had to get a suit, so I went and bought like this terrible suit that didn't really fit me right. <laughs> and uh, we had our first game. And on Saturdays, everybody would we'd have a walkthrough. We'd get dressed in the locker room and go to the plane and go catch the plane. And I remember there would be a bunch of veterans. It'd be like Eric Barton, Victor Hobson. Um, there'd just be a bunch of guys in the corner, Lavernius Coles, all these guys sitting in the corner, and they would be dressed up. And they would literally judge everyone as they walked by and just and just clown them for their suits. And I remember they told one guy he looked like he worked at Benihana and, you know, they, they, they would just make fun of everyone for their suit. And I remember the first time just getting completely roasted. And I was so embarrassed at my suit. I said, you know what, I'm never going to get embarrassed again. And uh, it was just something that, that was cool. It just became a tradition for guys to roast each other about their suits. Um, now, that was something that I really enjoyed about playing in the NFL. Um, you know, there, oh, man, I wish I could give you a better story, like a one scenario. You know, what? Um, that, that, I, I, I've seen that. So I, could, I, I personally can relate to that because I, I met being around locker rooms my whole life. You know, you saw – Guys that had the shoes that were a thousand dollars, and you had guys that had the penny. Yep. I mean, it was just—it was always the flavor of the week, or you know, somebody saw something on TV, and I had to run out and get it. And uh, <laughs> and I told the story that uh, I had Marvin Washington on the show, and uh, I told the story about how I had ordered some suits from you know Joey Went who you know, Joey. I, I, man, it's funny. I just spoke to Joey. So, uh, <laughs> so, anyway, so I ordered a bunch of suits, and this is like probably like my second or th- yeah, second or third year in the league uh, in my business. And Marvin Washington said to me, you got to step your game up, man. Because, listen, you're, those clothes you're wearing like are shot. And I'm like, well, Marvin, this is what I got. It fits. It's, you know, whatever. So Marvin went and bought me five full outfits. 
That's the, that's the homie right there. Yeah, and I was like, what? Because here I was, like, telling Joey, hey, Joey, I'll pay you, like, once a month, and, you know, we'll knock this out. And he came and he said to me, he goes, you don't owe me a thing. And I was like, really, why? And then Marvin was the one who supplied me with five outfits to at least look more presentable. And, you know, if you're going to hang around with these guys, he, the way he put it, you got to start yeah. dressing like they do. I'm like, you guys want to get dressed once a week. What does that mean? I got to start dressing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and believe me, I was grateful and very appreciative because uh, he that was one of the things that he did for me. He's been uh, a great friend all this time and, and a guy uh, I I uh, I can never say anything bad about, you know. Mm-hmm. Pros pro, and uh, and Ronnie Lott said the same thing about you know uh, Ronnie was on the show as well, and we talk about how relationships, how you know I I kind of lamented that relationship because Ronnie was a mentor to me and I was tied with Ronnie and I was tied with Marvin so it was like you know putting them together as well as Mo Lewis. Because, you know, Mo was a different bird, and we brought him in, and, you know, it was kind of – it became like a family. Then I learned the hardest thing about football was when guys are gone, you know, when you get cut or released or traded. That hit me so hard. Like, I didn't know how to deal with it because I was so used to seeing somebody for seven, eight years, and then they're gone, you know, yeah. like to another team or they're just done playing and – and you're like, you seem lost. And I felt lost for about a week or so. Then uh, Marvin got picked up by the Broncos and then won a Super Bowl with Elway. Nice. So I was happy for him because that turned out that way. But it was the Jets were in the AFC Championship game against the Broncos. And I'm like, oh, my God, I guess I may see a Jets Super Bowl. <laughs> and they didn't win, but yeah. you know, they're, like, torn. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny how things turn out and where we all – where we start and where we finish. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, people ask me, you know, do you have a lot of friends from when you played in the NFL? And, yes, there's a lot of guys – there are a lot of guys that I still, you know, maintain contact with and we still talk. But – it was really hard, you know, to, to stay attached with someone because, you know, you could play a game on Sunday, you know, come in Monday, watch film, Tuesday's your day off, come in Wednesday and the person's gone. You know, they got shipped off, they got released. And so that really made it, you know, more realistic that it was a real business. So you know, those relationships that you gain, man, you got to, got to hold on to them. Yeah. They're, they're important. And I, and you know, uh, I tell the story about, you know, I spoke to a class today, Northport High School, um, mm-hmm. a sports marketing class. So they were talking about this and that. And I was I was really doing a lot of the talking. And I said that one of the things that them as young students have to realize is that a person that you meet when they're younger may be the guy that ends up being a president of a team, ends up being, you know, and I and the best example of that is, Billy Hampton, you know, bless his soul, he's up there. He that brought me into the Jets, and he was an assistant equipment manager. And then left there to the NFL and then became vice president of the Cleveland Browns. He brought Cleveland back to Cleveland when they had gone and came back. He was part of that with Carmen Policy. Mike Newsom, ball boy at the Jets. All of a sudden, Mike's working for Billy Hampton. All of a sudden, Mike Newsom because my roommate. 
Mike and I lived together for seven years, and I cultivated so many relationships because of him. That's why I'm always grateful because of him. He got my career really moving and jumping because everyone knew who I was. And, you know, obviously in the beginning, I was his Newsom's boy and roommate and whatnot, but then people started to learn. And then Mike also learned what I was doing. So it was very, uh, very helpful. And then now Mike is a big shot at Nike, you know, with marketing and, you know, players and all that. So uh, there's other guys that started as equipment guys and ball boys and, you know, guys are running Anheuser-Busch and liquor companies and all these other things that I, w- I was stressing that relationships are important and don't be afraid to let people know who you are and what you do. You know, you got to be proud of who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. And networking and, and treating everybody with respect because you never know. You know what I mean? I, I'm a I'm a big uh, guy in respect. You know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the janitor, the CEO, you know, one day that janitor can become the CEO. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, the relationships, you know, continuing to grow those are, are, are paramount. You know, that's a very important part of life, man. And just, uh, you know, having that respect for one another. You know, it's funny. Someone asked me yesterday how I'm able to keep all these relationships intact and names in place. And, and you know what? I don't know. I just know that I can remember people. I don't remember everybody, but I remember people. And if you do what you say you're going to do and you keep your word and you keep a commitment to those people, they're always going to be there for you through the good and through the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, agree. I agree with that, man. It's uh, your word is your bond. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's one thing I, I respect a lot about you. You know, uh, everything that you've ever done, every, everything you said you've done, you, you've come through with it. And, uh, you know, you've always been a good friend, man. So so I appreciate you for that. Well, thank you. But you, and, and you know what? I consider you family because, you know what, we've, we've done so much together. It's like, you know, uh, I'm bringing the Big Daddy Golf Classic back again this June. So uh, yeah. well, that'll be fun. And, you know, the – same cast of characters. We'll add a different few names uh, to it, and uh, and raise a lot of money, and and do all those good things that uh, we uh, we enjoy doing to give back. Because you know, it's not all about taking and receiving. It's also people. And I'm not going to put myself in the same category as you, but you're at a different plateau where people look at your all your movement, all you got going on. You know, you still have a lot of Jet fans that you know. Hey, Eric Coleman, I got a picture with him, or I got an autograph, whatever the case may be. People still stay in tune with what you got going on. So it's always good when people see that you're just not a taker, but you're also a giver, you know? Absolutely. You know, and I and I think it's important, you know, the the fact that I do have, you know, that they always say you have that platform. I have that platform of being an NFL player, being a Jet. Uh, you know, use that for something good. Use it to, to raise awareness for a cause that, you know, other people may not know about. Use it to, to help somebody else and that's in a, a lesser situation than you. I think that's very important, you know, to give back. You know, we've all been blessed, you know, to be here today, uh, to accomplish the goals that we've, you know, the recent levels that we've uh, reached. It's, uh, it's really a blessing. And so, I think it's our responsibility to pay it forward, help some other people, and uh, and help make this world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you a thousand percent. And uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, this will be the last question that I ask. Uh, it'll be twofold. What would you say is your greatest strength 
and your greatest weakness? Um, I would say I would say my greatest strength is that you know I'm a I'm a I'm a good-hearted person. You know I genuinely care uh, for people and, and what happens to them. Um, you know, with that being said, I'm a if I know you, you know what I mean. If you, if if we have a relationship, I care for you. Then I'm going to do whatever I can for you. You know, and and that can be a weakness as well because you know people can take advantage of it. But um, you know, I, I think that my biggest weakness, my biggest weakness, would probably be I'm hard headed. You know, I'm very hard headed. My mom been telling me that uh, since I was a kid. You know, I got to, you know, she's always told me a hard head makes a soft butt. And uh, and I've always been hard headed. You know, I, you know, I'm, I can kind of set my mind for something, you know, and that can work to my it can work to my benefit as well. Sometimes where if I set my mind towards something, you know, it's going to be hard to get me off that goal. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to make it to the NFL, you know, out of Spokane being, you know, a kid is, you know, 5'10", 5'11", 200 pounds. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not the fastest guy. I'm not the biggest guy, uh, but I'm hard headed. I work hard. And, um, you know, but the, you know, that can that can be a bad thing sometimes as well. I've uh, I've been told the same. Uh, I, know, I know that hard headed. Uh, what do you call it? Demeanor or attitude. I have it at times myself. And, uh, you know, someone said to me, boy, when you make up your mind, you make up your mind. And I'm like. Well, I don't know any other way. What am I going to do? Go half-ass, or you know, if you're going to make a right, you got to make a right. You just don't, you know, you, you don't sit in the middle, so you got to make a right. Yeah. Um, all right. So here's a funny part of the show. Now I'm going to turn the mic over to you, and I'm gonna uh, I ask all the guests to uh, ask me a question, ask me something that you think you don't know, or totally up to you. I leave it in your uh, – your, you got the mic. Okay, I got the mic to ask Rich Big Daddy Salgado a question. Um, I don't know if it's going to be funny because, I, you know, I, re- I, respect, I respect what you do, you know, you know as a businessman. Um, and, you know, I just really – you know, as a, young, as a young entrepreneur, as a young businessman, um, what is your key to networking? You know, because, you know, everyone, everyone knows that you have a lot of great relationships. You, you meet people. Um, you know, you seem like you know everyone, and especially in the sports world. What is your key to networking with, with others? I think it's it's been that I've been everywhere you need to be. You know what I mean? Like, you'll find me in Atlanta at a game. You'll find me in L.A. at a game. You'll find me at the Combine. You'll find me at the Super Bowl. I'm at the Pro Bowl. Obviously, all that changes this year. Except for the Super Bowl. Now, we all know that if Buffalo gets into the Super Bowl, I will be there because, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> I got to support my baby brother. But, uh, you know, it, it, that's really been uh, the key. It's been, again, being everywhere and letting people know what I do. And also, you know, it's uh, doing what I say. You know, you know this because you've been there with me, as you can see over my shoulder. And uh, I actually happen to have, uh, you know, a little Arizona Jack Nicholas, uh, Arnold. I mean, uh, actually Arnold Palmer. You know, you have those relationships that you can call on people that'll help you. You know, when we both have our camps, 
you know, we wanted water, we got water, you know, Arizona iced tea, you know, big company in Long Island. And, and, and it relates to all these different things because when you have relationships with people like that, you have a relationship with restaurant and food vendors. Um, one of the things that uh, I'll share with you, and it's kind of funny, I haven't really put it out there too publicly yet. Um, I'm coming out with my own bacon line. It's going to be called Big Daddy's Grilling Bacon, and it's going to be the appetizer size bacon, three strips in a pack, like you oh, get right. burgers and, you know, whatever. And how that came about was the relationship between the CEO of Arizona and the relationship of the CEO at uh, ABA Meat Company. The two of them got together and decided to take my big ugly mug <laughs> and put it on a package and call it Big Daddy's Grilling Bacon. You know, and uh, I'm actually sampling samples tomorrow again. Nice. And then we'll figure out what the next steps are. But, uh, you know, that's really how I've built my business and, and been able to connect with people at all levels, whether it's, like you said, the janitor or the CEO or the middle guy. You know, you got to treat all these people with respect because, again, one day that person may be somebody that is on higher ground. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm very, I find that I preach that to the max because I think it's very important that people have an understanding that people are people, and you, no matter what color, race, whatever position they're in, whatever job they have, you know what? Everyone's a human being, and you have to treat people that way. I get it. You know, so I think those are the keys to my success and. And it leads to, like I would say, like I'm an octopus and I have all these tentacles. And, and then, you know, everything streams here, there, all over the place. And then there's some things that you have to walk away from because, you know what, you only have so much time. You know, if you spread yourself out too thin, then you can't really focus in on what you're good at and what, what you know, what pays your bills and provides and, and gives you the lifestyle that you want to lead. You know, so I think all those things play a part in entrepreneurship, in relationships, in growing a business, and in, in meeting more people. I appreciate that. appreciate the knowledge. Yeah, it's, uh, it comes with a lot of Delta miles and uh, <laughs> a lot of hotel stays. And uh, But you know what? I would do it all over again because it's worth it. And, uh, you know, I'll end on this. I told the class today that I spoke to that, you know, I've been fortunate. I've survived an aneurysm. You know, I've survived coronavirus. And um, I've done things that most, some of the wealthiest people on this planet haven't been able to do. I've been able to do. And I think all that comes with being blessed, uh, being uh, persistent, and also being a hard worker. So on that note, I could say my life has been great. I'm not ready to leave yet. I got a lot more to do. Uh, we have a lot more to do together as well. So, uh, you know, the road will be greater, richer, and funner down the road. That I can yes, look forward to it, man. So, do. no, and uh, again, to everyone out there who's watching and listening, 
check out my man Eric Coleman. He's on social media. He's on TV. He's on with the Jets. Hopefully they get their act together and turn around. They got a new coach. I, I'm sure you're ecstatic about defensive-minded coach. Oh, yeah. So uh, we, 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 I'm hosting the, the press conference uh, when they're, they're naming the head coach tomorrow. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to host the press conference show. And uh, it's going to be fun, man. I'm excited for the future of the Jets. Well, great. I look forward to checking that out then. And, uh, again, everyone, all the fans, all the viewers and listeners, uh, Eric Coleman, thank you for being with us, my man. And, uh, again, tell the family hello. I miss them. And I hope to see every, I hope to see you guys all soon. Hopefully this thing goes around and, you know, we, uh, we get back to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, we'll be up there soon, man. And uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, I'd love to come on any other time you have me. Yep, I will definitely. You know, you're always welcome back here. And uh, and to everyone, till next time, this is Big Daddy and Big Daddy and Friends. And uh, keep watching. Leave those comments. And if you have any questions, ask away. Leave them on there. We'll answer them. Until next time, I'll see everybody soon. 